and two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that boy's got, he got man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's spent. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites, if you look at the polling, still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now, and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to the Ruthless Friday program. <laughs> I mean, how, do you even, how do you even put into context what it is that you deserve from your president? Uh, it was uh, LL Cool J. Yeah. Ladies love Cool James, for those of you who are in the know. Uh, and, and somehow, I guess Biden also doesn't know who he is and then happens to throw in just sort of an overtly racist comment. Like, well, that boy. Yeah. He's like, I really step in it here. Maybe I'll... Call him a boy as well. <laughs> I I think I think we were like ten seconds away from him talking about corn pop and kids playing with his hair and on his legs in the pool. Being like, I'll tell you that LL Cool J, he's clean and articulate. Yeah, I mean the entire Democratic Party wants to play. Mama said, knock, knock that guy. Out. Oh, they re- they, they <laughs> right? really do. They're, and they're trying to pull the hook. We're going to get to this later. But that poll in the Washington Post that showed mm-hmm. that sixty-two percent of Democrats want something different than joe biden tells you everything you need to know i mean you can't blame him i don't even know like what do you think if you're if you're that guy's staff and you just watch just watch that clip you're like oh my god i mean every possible thing that could go wrong goes wrong and it goes beyond staff because it's like this is every american this is our commander-in-chief this is the world's you know opinion of america is based on this bumbling idiot who really, you can't put in front of a microphone for five seconds before he says something idiotic and makes us look like idiots. <laughs> but not for nothing. Like, LL Cool J was a sort of new artist in the late 80s. Yeah. Right? Like, this is not somebody who's just breaking into the scene. No, this is from the period of time in which Joe Biden was lucid. Like, if anything, <laughs> he should remember him. Right. Not a new, like, new guy on Twitter. Yeah. Like, LL Cool J was doing his thing when he was like, doing the bork hearings yeah you know what i mean no he had like he had like his hand on power now he still has his hand on power like think about that that guy's got his uh, the the nuclear football yeah i can't i just can't believe it i also just you know i hate to always do what if a republican because you know no but you you should you should do what if a republican in this one i mean just think about that It'd be a disaster. It would be wall-to-wall news. And here, it's like barely... You hear it on the Ruthless Variety program. I bet this is the first time any of you are... are that you're hearing this? I bet that's the first time you've heard it. But it would it would cover broadcast news in the evening every day if well, you it were could, a Republican. It'd be like, uh, has the president reached out to LL Cool J to apologize? You, <laughs> no, right. You could, you could give him a pass on the front part and be like... Oh, that's kind of funny and endearing. You know, he's like, he's a real old man. He's not up with the times. He doesn't get the guy's name right. And the audience sort of laughs. But then to immediately, like, step in it again and call him boy (laughs) is wild. Is wild. (laughs) Wild. President of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. (laughs) And again, 80s. 
eighties. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that problem is that Biden's in his eighties. Like uh, oh, yeah. that he is completely. I mean, it, it's I think very evident at this point that he's not all the way there. I I'm starting to become more and more believer every day in Duncan's theory that like. I don't know if that horse is making it all the way and that the Dems are, are starting to look around for options. Well, I think we should get into that in a moment. Uh, let me start with the fact that this is debate week, mm-hmm. a big week for all of the challengers not named Donald J. Trump to once again try to make their case before a national audience. And we're going to do a big show huge, uh, that you can live stream on YouTube that will be a pre-debate party on Wednesday. And then for those of you who have tickets, look out. It's going to be a blast, yeah. isn't it? It's going to be incredible. And like you said, I mean, this is a big deal for a lot of these challengers. We've seen the poll numbers have shifted. It's kind of like the horse race dynamic has changed. The same folks who were up back in, in the previous debate, you know, the, 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 the pecking order has changed a bit. Based on that debate, right? I mean, what you saw... From an extraordinarily strong performance from Nikki Haley is that she basically switched spots with Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw Vivek sort of come down a touch. Mm-hmm. DeSantis has just been kind of, I don't know if the debate had anything to do with it, but it's, it's, he's now kind of in that same mix of people. And you would imagine that an inordinately strong debate performance by somebody here would do something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I think there's a lot writing on this. And again, it's it's going to be at uh, Reagan in, in California. They won't have a live audience, which I know for the well, first time. Well, they have a, day, li- no, small, they, a small, small one. They have a yeah. very small audience. The first one, I mean, it was an arena. It was rocking and rolling. Yeah. Uh, very I think different. The dynamics can be totally different for this one. But yeah. in a, as we've talked about, there's a slightly different crew in front of people. Asa Hutchison will not be there. Mm-hmm. They ch- RNC changed the requirement to appear. It's now fifty thousand donors. And changed from the first debate. It's not like they the, just. You're right. Right from the first debate, they just sort of. Well, they're got just it. escalating. They're doing right. what you should yep. do in order right. to have continue to winnow the field. Right. Yeah. So it's fifty thousand donors and three percent, and I think two two national polls or a national poll and key early states. So Asa Hutchison will not be on the stage, but Doug Burgum. Burgum did it. Will he will, and you know nobody talked about this the first time around because I don't even think we were we knew this at the time. He went and did that first debate with this like ruptured Achilles, no medication. No, you know, yeah, we learned after no pain meds, no pain yeah, meds. They needed, they needed stood more the entire trouble. time, and I'm, uh, I'm blown away that that wasn't like put out there in a major way. I'm sure what they were thinking, because that you know everybody recalls the Rick Perry performance where he did have pain med for either an upcoming surgery. I think it was his back. It was his back. Like that, yeah, right? yeah, some, something that he had, and and he took pain meds, and obviously had a. He forgot, he forgot the third like uh, department that he wanted to shut down. Which yeah. was kind of a big deal. Yeah. And he got uh, roundly ridiculed for it. So I'm sure they were thinking, like, let's keep this guy's mind as clear as possible. But standing on a torn Achilles is no joke. And that's the thing is, uh, like, Aaron Rodgers, uh, who, who, in his first game for the Jets, like four minutes in the game, suffered the same injury. Yeah. And and all I heard, you know, from from uh the the coverage was this is essentially the most painful injury yes, right. an individual right. can suffer. Next and Burgum stood there on a debate through it. That's yeah. exactly right. The next time you saw Aaron Rodgers, he was on his back in a hospital bed talking to Pat McAfee on TV and he was very <laughs> funny and it was great content. 
But Doug Burgum stood it's there insane. for an hour and a half and delivered answers. I cannot wait to hear what he has to say yeah. this Wednesday night without the Achilles. Well, I, mean, I hope I think he, well, he's still got it, obviously, but he's, he's now had a chance to acclimate to the injury a touch, and hopefully there's some healing there. I'd like to see him turn up that game, though. Yep. Because yeah. if he's going to get to the third debate, he's going to have to turn that volume way further up than it was in the first one. I mean, yeah. I, I maintain optimistic in the fact that like his biography and his resume and just the dude, the dude is so cool. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've gotten a chance to meet him and hang out with him. And the folks on YouTube, you've seen our video content with him out in Iowa. I think he needs to really recognize this as the opportunity, because I think if a number of conservative voters actually connect, see what he's about. I mean, that guy's I mean, he's a champion. Through yeah, and through. it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, so smug, you mentioned uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I'd be remiss to oh, point no. out, no, uh, no, you know, yeah, that no. we had NFL games this weekend. And I think it's the appropriate time for. Yours truly, the old man, to take his huge victory lap on a victory for my Indianapolis Colts against a lot of odds and a lot of poor conduct in the group chat, I might add. Um, and I noticed uh, my friends weren't so lucky. You know, so if you'd like any advice from me and the Indianapolis Colts on how you guys might turn it around and get a win, um, I'm here. I'm here to help. There, so. There's no way to turn the Broncos around until we get to Russell Wilson. Like, that's just a fact. It's going to be a terrible Dolphins drop 70, though, so it's not just the offense. It could have been so much worse because, like, the, the wild thing about the end of uh, the Dolphins-Broncos game is that they put up 70 points, and the NFL yeah. record is 73, and they were in field goal range. They could have done it. They could have done it. They I don't think they it. should, you know, oh, everyone likes that they were sportsmen like putting up 70 points and not going for the record. They should have done it. It's time to fire the coach, get rid of Russell Wilson, clean house. We got, we got Condoleezza Rice on the ownership committee. She's a specialist in regime change. The time is now. Get rid of the bumps. Throw the bumps out. What, what do we think of the Vikings? Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Well, I just thought you'd I'm like very to. reluctant to engage in poor uh, conduct from a position of weakness. Which is where I'm at. Well, that's why we're talking about it. Yeah, because you've you've raised it. I do recall fondly the greatest NFL <laughs> comeback in uh, history, just a short nine months ago against uh, what was the other team from the greatest comeback was Elway on the drive against the Browns. In well, the championship. not by points. <laughs> by points, it was your Indianapolis Colts who managed to blow a 35 point lead. Guys, well, I, I mean, you guys didn't win the Super Bowl. That's all that matters. So. <laughs> Another losing se season for the Vikings. Well, Thielen put up good numbers. It's just unfortunate that he's, he's not, not there. On the Vikings. He's not there anymore. What you're doing is putting me in a category of just rooting for negativity. That's okay. That's it. I like take, it. Okay take the black that? pill like me and just be angry. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I'm as good at trying to rattle everyone else's cages as I am supporting you know, my own my own endeavors. Yeah, yes, I understand that. But you know, I'm also a person who's just motivated by anger and rage. Yeah. Yes. And and so, like, you you. You can't really win. You can maybe fight it to a draw and be as negative as I am, but like I, I thrive on it. I do. I will enjoy it because I do anticipate there will be a collapse. So I mean, if we're if we're gonna real quick, if if we're gonna talk about NFL, we have to bring up what I thought is a ridiculous PR psyop. Did you guys see like Taylor Swift showed? Did up we see guess. it? I mean, of course. <laughs> Did we see it? It was everywhere. It's that's. But that's the thing. Is like. It was the intention. Whenever Taylor Swift has like a relationship with a guy, it's content. It's set up by her like PR team. Yeah. And that's what this whole thing, in my opinion, is with this whole Travis Kelsey. She's like, oh, what's the most conspicuous, you know, way I can go about this? Show up to the game, be like, 
hammering the glass in the owner's box sitting next to his mom. And that's the other thing, man. Like, why do you, like, I can understand Travis Kelsey, there's an upside to, like, raise your profile off this order. But that's your mom, dude. Like, why rope her into this? This is Taylor Swift. And like, cheering that hard. boyfriend in six weeks when another album drops, have a song about, like, oh, this tight end did me wrong. Che you know? Cheering that hard for the 41st point in the game and the blowout is, like, I don't know. It seems sort of performative. You didn't buy it. I. It's not, I just, look, God bless you. You're doing great in your tour and everything and making a ton of money. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who work on that tour who are super, super happy with what she's doing for them. Um, the NFL's just fine. Yeah. We don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need well, it. That, I mean, that's where I come at this whole thing. We don't need hype. Which is, I, I actually watch sports to watch the sports. Yeah. And the idea that NFL primetime is leading with Taylor Swift yeah. is very irritating. Now, I granted i understand i'm a curmudgeon in this area right i mean i'm sure a lot of people like to infuse some serious pop culture into their sports i i'm not really one of those people and particularly when it comes to like taylor swift who i don't see as like a mogul of nfl football right <laughs> this is somebody who just and is she really dating travis kelsey like i don't know if she is or not i doubt it no doesn't feel like no, it, it uh, that's why i'm saying it. it feels like a pr psyop like but, but why but why for her though like her why. pr's it's never been better no 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 audience. and very specifically here's why dude she has set like the record for tour profit she, yeah. she doesn't need anything she's else in, she's in a lull between her uh Tour is currently on a break. She has uh, this movie that's going to be in theaters. You of, seem like, to know a lot party. about her. Well, because I, I, I'm very cognizant about psyops. Like mm. I'm, I'm very cognizant about. But she's trying she, to. She's literally her. getting fans to go to movie theaters to watch the concert she already did. And then here's like, the thing. Well, you know what I mean? That, that, that she she that has a lull until daughter, another yeah. one of her albums comes out in a month from now. She's like, I'll just use this dude for PR. That's the way she works. I hope that's not the case. Oh, it's one hundred percent the case. Oh, he's got a little something for the effort, though, doesn't he? Well, that's the thing. That's uh, I think this is a complete fake situation for so, everybody, and that's what I think is so terrible about all of this is that like it's foisted upon the public when this is extremely fake. This is a setup, and it's taking away from like actual NFL stories. Yeah. Well, so it was a great weekend of football. It, it really is taken away from NFL stories, like Tua. I mean, what a yeah. great quarterback. Oh my God. Okay. What a great quarterback. You know, this is, Miami Dolphins. This is Ashbrook's High problem. offense. A Ashbrook got out of this unscathed, and then he goes in and attacks the Broncos. So now I, you got to give it to him. Well, I want to know. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night. Are we going to see the Bengals uh, win their first game of the season or what? Look, our quarterback is in just an incredible player. Uh, he? He's a gamer, uh, but he has a, an injured calf. And so even if he does play on Monday night, he's not 100%. And he's that might be a in, good he's an thing. integral part of the team. Based oh, on how he's thing. played thus far yeah. this season. It's a good thing? I think he might need a for, for Joe Burrow to be hurt, it's a good thing? It might be for the product on the field. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not been that great. He hasn't been that great. And yeah. The bungle. We got this guy, Gardner he Minshew, who's our backup, great. and he's been playing fantastic. Oh, my God. This so, is just good. How many, how many field goals were kicked by your field goal kicker yesterday, and how many touchdowns were scored by Gardner Minshew? Who, who scored more? Well, Minshew or your field goal kicker? Well, look, this is an important learning moment for, for you guys because you don't have a win on this season. That The <laughs> kicking game is very important <laughs> it in is. football. I know that's Especially the most when you're, important thing to you. When you're up against the best kicker probably of all time, Justin Tucker, to win a defensive battle in the rain and kick four 50-yard field goals, 
the first time ever in hit the history of the NFL. Like that's how you win games. That's how you become a player. I don't even team. know who this guy. I don't even know who you this know. kicker is. So I, who is he? It's not Tucker's from Baltimore, right? Is he still with Baltimore? Yeah, yes. Boston. Just, Justin Tucker, who is a incredible kicker, probably the best ever. He missed one, I think, from sixty three. Uh, to okay. end in regulation. Elon, I, Elon kicked a 16 and, our, and a half. Right? And the Colts kicker is Matt Gay, okay. and he kicked four 50-plus mm. yard field goals. I, I will say this. Mm. I will say this. Do you guys I'm need a kicker, too? Because you haven't I'm, won any games. I'm happy for the Colts, Michael. Yeah. I really am. I like when the Midwest wins. I, I really the, do. The con- I, I know you don't believe it, hmm. but my, my point is I like when the Midwest wins. The Bengals are a very good football team with a quarterback who is ailing. I just want everyone to know line. if you're listening to this that – John Ashbrook's conduct in the group chat all weekend it's very negative. would lead me to believe that this is disingenuous. <laughs> it's very negative. But I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you now know where our heads were at all weekend in a very rainy sort of hurricane-strewn weekend yeah. here in the DMV. Uh, but we emerge with uh, fall insights. Thank God. A little cooler temps. Yeah. It's the best season. It is the best season. And also, like for those campaign types who've lived the lives that many of us have lived, you get into this point and there's also a little something, a little added something. Because it only happens every even year, you know, unless you're in like Kentucky, Louisiana, and Virginia, and New, New Jersey. Uh, every even year, you, you get like this time of year, it gets very exciting from an electoral standpoint. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see where people's heads are at. And what I always like to do in an off year is just sort of take an inventory of where you're at. Because I do think there's a lot about the psychology and the mentality of where you're at a year before that comes into the four the next year. 100%. You know, it's not just the things that happened three or four weeks ago. It's about changing seasons, kids going back to school all those kinds of things. And you're like, oh, well, let's do an inventory on where things sit. Well, helpfully, there's been a couple of polls Mm -hmm. over the weekend that have done that for us. Nice segue. There's an ABC News poll that came out that caught a few eyes over the weekend and it showed Trump with like a nine-point lead in a head-to-head against Joe Biden. Now, granted, I will say uh, we have not seen this in any other poll. But more than anything, I think, look, you can extrapolate out whatever you want from the ballot question that shows a nine-point lead. Uh, I think the idea that there's ever going to be a 10-point win in a presidential election is absolutely insane. That's never going to happen. But you can extrapolate more out, from my point of view, in where Democrats are than anything else across the board. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the media, everyone who's a political pundit, a paid discusser mm-hmm. of things, mm-hmm. wants people to spend all of their time talking about the conundrum that Republicans find themselves in. Mm-hmm. And it's a topic worth discussing. We discuss it here frequently. But not enough time has been spent on the catastrophe that the Democrats find themselves in. President Joe Biden's job approval rating, according to ABC News, is 19 points underwater. <sighs> His rating for handling of the economy and immigration are at career lows. Woof. A record number of Americans say they've become worse off under this presidency, and three quarters say he's too old for another term. And Donald Trump is looking better in retrospect. All severe challenges, again, according to ABC, for Biden and his reelection campaign ahead. 44% of Americans in the latest ABC News, Washington Post poll said they've gotten worse off financially. Mm-hmm 
under the Biden presidency, the most for any president in ABC Post polls since 1986. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it keeps going. I mean, just 37 percent of his uh, approve of his job performance, 56 disapprove. Still fewer approve of Biden's performance on the economy. 30. 30. 30. 30. And a lot of that has to do with people's situation in life. It's not just, I mean, obviously Joe Biden's the reason behind it. But if you looked at like what people think about grocery prices, 91% of people don't think the grocery prices are good. 87% of people aren't happy with gas prices. 74% of people aren't happy with the economy. 75% of people aren't happy with their income. So this is this is a problem that's pervasive mm-hmm. in America and people want change. I I think that's right, but uh, you know, before we do uh, an, a touchdown dance on this, I would point out we saw a lot of polls like this about people's view of the economy in the midterms in 2022. Not this bad. No. Yes, okay, they were bad. F- fine, but but this is John, John Fetterman's a senator. Sure. You know what I mean? Oh, no. I, well, let's get to that. Yeah. And maybe this is a good point to get to that, which is if you believe the polls, what you should be believing, regardless of whether you agree with the top lines or not, what you should be believing is the Democrats have a huge problem with the center of the electorate here. They, they do not want Joe Biden. They don't want Joe Biden's right. policies. They don't want Democratic policies. The fact that this is even still a discussion is the fact that they're not sold on Republicans either. But in at least according to this poll, what they're dealing with is nothing short of catastrophic. Yes. And that is very, very real, as you've heard us talk about, you know, conjecturing whether or not Joe Biden's even going to be on the ticket. Well, I guess I guess what I would say is sort of a question to the group is like just in the Republican primary, you know, like the assumption was like, you know, these indictments are going to hurt Donald Trump um, and they have helped him i wonder if in the same way in an electorate who who would tell you um you know they care about the pocketbook issues and the economy and the grocery prices and stuff if maybe they actually won't vote on any of that like that we really are living in a world in which nothing does matter Mm. well because because if you look at those 2022 midterms 2022 midterms you know and you look at a guy like a fetterman or what have you and like everybody had the same concerns about the economy and about Joe Biden his ability to do the job and grocery prices and inflation. And then they pulled the lever for him. And so I wonder if the real outcome of this of this poll, the purpose of it, I should say, is more aimed at, you know, ramping up the heat on Joe Biden to step out of this race versus being Ooh. something real that is you know, actually going to impact the election a year from so now. I, th- I think that's definitely the media spin. Um, as you know, the Washington Post ABC puts out a poll like this in September routinely. They, yeah. did, they did so last September. So I, I, you know, sort of assigning their motivation here, I, I understand exactly why it is that they're spinning it the, the, the way they are. But I do find um, really good news in here for Republicans if we're able to stay focused on the topics that people care about, grocery prices, mm-hmm. gas prices, and the like, and not get sidetracked onto personality differences and other things that I think bedeviled us in the 2022 midterm. 
a lot of people online have been like sort of undercutting this poll. Democrats have been kind of undercutting. I don't know if you guys have seen this. They've pointed out that that some some inconsistencies with the sample in order to say that oh Biden's maybe well a yeah it has Do- has Donald Trump winning eighteen to twenty nine by like a huge margin which I'm telling you will not happen. No, that's not that's so not right. I mean I, right I, like so, that's one of them. So I don't that, th- I don't disagree with that point. Yeah. But this poll. They asked people, who did you vote for in 2020? 50% said they voted for Biden. 46% said yeah. they Yeah, so, I mean, look, the top line's there. Right. It's consistent. In a static environment, but then you but look at what elections awaits. elections aren't static. Right. And They're you, dynamic. Right. Yeah, yeah. you, you look at what awaits uh, Donald Trump, who would be the Republican nominee if the primary was over today, and just look at the schedule of the court cases, you know? And, you know, we're, we will not be focused on all of these things just based on uh, the past of what Donald Trump wants to talk about. If he is the nominee, we're going to be talking about, you know, judges who uh, have it out to get him or jur- jury pools have it out to get to get him. And that's not grocery price. That's not grocery price. Well, I think that's a, that's a really good jumping off point for that larger discussion, which is if you look at a poll like this, regardless if it's off three or four percent, you know, maybe it's hot. Maybe it's a hot sample just a little bit. It, clearly it shows even if in a three four percent hot sample this guy's got in, i'm talking about biden tragic yeah and catastrophic problems <clears throat> that may not be able to be overcome what it suggests is that if you have a republican nominee that focuses on i don't know the economy or immigration which by the way biden has a 23 percent unbelievable approval rating on that's mm-hmm. incredible or the issues that that american people are actually concerned about you put this thing on ice, right? I mean, you can make this thing really difficult for Democrats to try to capture that center of the electorate. But as you suggested, if history is our guide on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might not be where we're headed. I mean, that's uh, I agree. I think that's the most important takeaway from this poll is twofold. Number one, I think part of it is, as I've previously said, is going to be the case is once summer is over, you know, kids go to school. Voters are now more focused on the issues that matter. They did their back-to-school shopping. They're like, damn, everything is far more expensive than I recall it being. Now issues are really starting to matter, and they're starting to pay attention. I think some of that is reflected here. But I think, like you said, it doesn't matter how off or wonky the sampling is. With a very loud and clear voice, American people are saying that things are not great. Yeah, Things are pretty terrible. Everything is more expensive. There's a lot of struggling to get by that's going on. And they want to have a candidate who addresses those issues. And in this polling, they're punishing Biden for not addressing those. And for what this administration has done is dismiss those issues. They said for the longest time, inflation is fake. It doesn't exist. It's transitory. Then they said it's transitory. Oh, this is going to go away. You know, and eventually they got to a point where they were even trying. Actually, this inflation is good. Maybe actually good. Yeah. (laughs) So they've tried everything. And the American people recognize this administration has been a nightmare. So we have that. But like Holmes said, where do we go from here with that knowledge? If we don't make that the centerpiece of our message to voters, this is not going to end well. It's not going to end well. And, and the perfect place that fuses the two things that you guys just talked about is this number. A remarkable 62% of Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents say the party should pick someone other than Joe Biden as the nominee in twenty four. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up because it's a very important point.
point in this poll. And if Duncan is right and what Democrats are trying to do with this poll is roll out the veterinary cart to euthanize Biden in the <laughs> middle of the track, who are they going to replace him with? And the poll dug down on that. Bernie Sanders, 8% of Democrats want to replace him with Bernie Sanders. Kamala Harris, 8%. RFK Jr., 7%. Oh. Gavin Newsom, 3%. Really? Mm. Elizabeth Warren, 2%. Mayor Pete, 1%. Oh. He's down with he's down with Amy Klobuchar right where he wanted to be. No he's going to have to kidding. fix a lot more bread prices to make that thing but go. This poll, <laughs> this poll did not ask voters if they would still vote for Donald Trump if, if he's convicted in one of these cases. That's true. Well, we've seen that. I mean, like, look. Which is, but 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 to my, my point That's of, where the middle goes away. Well, the middle goes away, but- what I'm saying is this poll's designed to get Joe Biden out of the race. Mm. They're not they're not asking that question because they don't want to know the answer to that question. They want to know the answer, hey, if you're a Democrat, do you want to support Biden or you want somebody new? And and, and I think that, <laughs> I, honestly, I think it's a really, really astute point in a lot of ways because to your Fetterman example, if you have sixty two percent of this sample that wants to see somebody other than Joe Biden, everything underneath that, their approval, their approval of the economy, their approval of his handling of immigration, their overall overall image of Joe Biden, and probably their ballot question is reflective yeah. of that point of view. Now, as we saw, John Fetterman could could not literally could not string two sentences together at the end of his campaign and monopolize the Democratic vote to win that campaign. Yeah. Do we think for a moment that at a national scale they wouldn't do the same? Obviously, Democrats are coming home at some point. Mm -hmm. So when you look at these huge margins between Republicans and Democrats, if there is a, any sort of fall off in the Democratic column that is contributing to a ballot widening margin, discount it because that thing's coming back. Now, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it's not important for what you said, mm -hmm. which is, is this about trying to find another nominee that basically can help coalesce the democratic party but in terms of an rvd conversation right it's probably irrelevant right mm. and that and that i think we all need to like nobody should think that donald trump is a 10-point lead here right you know it's I mean? not and, and and come on i mean if he's the nominee or really i mean anybody's the nominee like they're gonna get them enthusiastic about voting you know even though they may be angry at biden for not getting the student loan giveaway done or whatever and right now they're going to tell a pollster oh i don't want him or whatever they're going to card him out and they'll vote for him those yeah, democrats yeah. the base democrats the ones that are slipping off in this poll they'll it'll snap back i mean you're but exactly there's right. an awful lot of atmospherics we yeah, talked about the last month there, there's a little permission slip that's out there yep amongst democrat and democrat leaning publications where you're entertaining a question yeah. that ordinarily they are foreboding. If you start seeing more of like the Obama like uh, consultants out there on MSNBC and mm -hmm. primetime talking about it, you're going to start to notice the drumbeat get a little bit louder. They're going to do them again like they did uh, in 2016. Where Except they talk a different direction. Like, yeah, they'll be like, well, listen, uh, we, 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 we need to make sure that we beat the Democrats or beat the Republicans. It's their, their same game plan, essentially, yeah. is all they have to trot out because they have to be like, hey, voters, don't look over here. Don't look at, you know, your receipt from going to the grocery store. Yeah. Uh, Democracy is going to die. Yeah. So yeah. If I were to ask each of you guys today, September 26th, by one year from now at this time, Democrats nominee will be locked in. Will that nominee 
be Joe Biden or who will it be Michael Duncan? Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris wow. is going to be the nominee. Yeah, Kamala Harris will be the nominee. And they'll do a la like a last minute switcheroo because she could never withstand the pressure of an actual primary process. <laughs> she couldn't make it to Iowa she on her own. She couldn't even get to Iowa on her own. And they and the de the Democratic Party could not possibly withstand overlooking the first female black vice president. Yeah. And I saw Jim Clyburn out there recently talking about you know, it's not a foregone conclusion that she would be the one. So they're trying to massage wow. that as a trial balloon right now. But it was Clyburn who look, picked the nominee last time. If you're looking, if you're looking at who is the base of the Democratic Party, you're going to tell me you're going to overlook a black woman first vice president in the United States. Well, you do it at your own. Peril. I do not think their coalition could survive that. Smug, who do you think? I think it's going to be Joe Biden. I think, you know, Democrats have dead people vote for them. They're going to vote for a dead person. <laughs> it's the zombie party. Good take. Good take. All right, It'd be Holmes. tough to get beat by the body, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a real rough hand of cards. We already got know. one in the Oval Office. They're going to cart him out again. Yeah. Holmes, what about you? So I'm increasingly, I agreed with, with Smug throughout uh, a large portion of the year, but I've just, I've noticed them opening the canister and my view has been since the very beginning that if democrats were going to make a switcheroo they had to wait until at least may mm -hmm. of next year when the majority of delegates were spoken for and so therefore you couldn't have a primary mm -hmm. for one the democratic party the dnc is not prepared to conduct a primary mm -hmm. they've basically devalidated primaries in all of these early states yep. right they're not doing anything in iowa mm -hmm. they're basically not doing anything in new hampshire South Carolina, I've heard less about, but it doesn't seem like they're trying to prepare for a context contest there. If you listen to like RFK Jr., I mean, his whole point is like they're not actually going to take yeah, a Biden's vote. not even on the uh, on the ballot for the caucus in Iowa. Yeah, right. I mean, so so this stuff is like they're not prepared to do it. But also, the worst thing that could ever happen to the Democratic Party is reopening a freewheeling primary, the likes of which we saw in 2020, mm. because of all of those numbers we just read. Mm. Every single number we just read that puts independence on the right side of the ledger are things that a Democratic Party would not only iron in, they would make worse. They would exacerbate. We had every candidate on stage raising their hand saying, yeah, open borders, free stuff. Yep. Everybody's good. We're all that. We have to do it for our base constituency. No hesitations. Hands up. What does that do to a 23% already approval rate? It vaporizes it because now voters can actually see the effect of that being essentially the policy. In real time. Yep. And in within a six-month window of you casting a ballot for one, a binary choice for one or the other. It's a disaster. Mm -hmm. So I think they have to get to May one way or another. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was Kamala. The Gavin Newsom thing is interesting to me because I think from a talent standpoint, I mean, look, from a psychopath standpoint in terms of governance, he's off the charts. Like this guy is yeah. absolute lunatic when it comes to that. But from a talent standpoint, and we're going to see this now on November 30th when he's he's debating Ron, Ron DeSantis, DeSantis. Which is wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this guy can carry his own weight in a way that like Elizabeth Warren can't, Amy Klobuchar can't, Pete can't, uh, Kamala can't. A whole bunch of people on the Democratic side actually can't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a Ron DeSantis or a Donald Trump and wouldn't even dream of putting themselves on the same stage as that because they wouldn't have the confidence to do it. That guy does. And so 
I wonder from his perspective, as he's entertaining and now doing this debate with Ron DeSantis, if it isn't an invitation to Democratic voters to say, well, I mean, look, here's the guy who can do it. He can, he can and, strengthen his senses. And the sneaking suspicion I have from all the polls that we've seen Kamala Harris's numbers, at least amongst sort of your higher, higher educated Democrats, they don't believe she can. Yeah. Mm. Regardless of whether they approve of her or not, they don't believe she can. I agree with you wholeheartedly that to ignore a base constituency like black women within a Democratic primary context yeah. is complete political suicide. But the larger part of this discussion has been something the Democrats have done now in 2020. They did in 2016. They did all the way back in 2004 when they sidelined Dean in favor of John Kerry. Like, mm -hmm. that's their mold. That's what they do. Can, can we talk about one second the whole DeSantis-Newsom debate thing? Do you think that, does anyone here think that's a good idea or a bad idea? Do, do you have a view either way? Yeah, I mean, look, I I think for both of them it makes a lot of sense. I think Ron DeSantis needs to do something to, to change the narrative here. And if he can be the standard bearer for conservatism, not sort of the the Trump universe defined conversation as we've had it since the beginning of his candidacy, but conservatism, take it against the most liberal guy who is now sort of the voice of your progressive left, um, he has a chance to reset the dial in a different way with the electorate. So I understand why, look, it's a high risk, high reward. Yeah. If he gets his lawn mode, it's gonna be a real problem for him in a big way. On the other side, like I just said with Gavin Newsom, I think it makes sense. It puts him in that conversation mm -hmm. where people, if he does okay, people will say like, look, I get our base constituencies and all that stuff, but you really do want Donald Trump? Like this guy seems to me like he would make a pretty good case. That's, so to me, that's my takeaway is I see this as all upside for Newsom because it does put him in a position of where like, okay, I'm now on a stage with a guy running for president on the Republican side. It elevates Newsom. I don't see the upside for DeSantis so, to, to so agree to do this. I think a couple of things. Yes, there's an upside for Newsom. It's also an upside for us that it's Newsom because it allows us to kick up a little mud on their tires in the Democratic side mm. to keep feeding into this. Will it be Joe? Will it be Kamala? Will yep. it be Newsom thing? Frankly, I think that's great. It's like a little dark, <laughs> yeah. a little dark arts for Republicans to be able to like psyop them into having a fight about this. Well, thing. I guarantee the Kamala camp is not not happy, not happy, not, not, thrilled. not thrilled. No, um, look, I think the upside for Ron DeSantis is right now the field is wide, and you go into these debates, and maybe you know you get thirty second pops, you know, to 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 say your message or whatever, and then everybody else gets their shot, and it's all sort of lost in the noise. When it's just you and one other guy. And it's the guy from California, and you're the guy from Florida, and you can have long conversations about how you fought COVID versus the lockdowns in California. I mean, that's going to be a benefit to Ron DeSantis. I think Newsom is a good debater, and that is the one thing that DeSantis has to be prepared for. And I think you're That's, you're absolutely right. If he if he has a discussion on COVID, which to me is DeSantis's strength essentially, yeah. like it, it, he has a huge story to tell on that front. Especially, I think the perfect foil for that is Newsom, who's like he's eating at the French Laundry while he's got his right. state shut down. But but I don't want to under undersell Newsom's strength here. I mean, I totally. saw that Hannity interview. He is a very strong debater. I hope they're prepared. Well, DeSantis really needs the lift because if you look back at this ABC Washington Post poll, he has lost a lot of ground since the February iteration when he was at 25 to Trump's mm -hmm. 51. 
This poll has him at 15 to Trump's 54. So he needs some kind of spark nationally if he's going to ignite some sort of excitement in Iowa, I think, which is his. And that's why I think it's a good idea. Like he's got to do something. And and this, this people will tune in. I'll tune in. Yeah, I kind of can't wait to see it. I want to see what, how that, how that whole thing. Well, works and also out. one final point is I think by the audience he will be judged differently than when he's on the stage with eight other Republicans. Mm. You know, for somebody who is interested in tuning into this process and finding out more about the candidates, like he doesn't have to have like an A plus performance. If he's speaking to your values and he's the only guy on stage doing it, yeah. your gut, your reaction to him will be different than there's That's there's a point. menu of eight options. That's a great point. You know what I mean? It's also just a better swing thought. You're, you're more likely to put a barrel on right. the bat when you're arguing against straight right. progressive policy. Or trying mm-hmm. b- before, like in a Republican debate, having to triangulate and figure out what everybody else's position is and where is your lane and all of these sorts of things. You're right, 100%. Which, which if you remember... How it is that Ron DeSantis is in this conversation in the first place is that he was holding our flag for conservatism against progressive, whether it's COVID, whether mm-hmm. it's the economic views, all that. He was doing all that for a year and a half that it's actually landed him in a place where he's in a presidential context for the first. I mean, if you have a problem with the campaign that he's run up to this point, and you know, clearly if you've lost 30 points on your ballot, there's a fair number of you out there that believe that. You're going to get a little bit of something that you haven't seen since November of 22 when it really was a a sort of RVD conversation, which he's excelled at. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, Bob Menendez. Guys, we got to get into this. <laughs> yeah. Bob Menendez. Great story. Oh, my God. So by now, you've all seen the indictment. This is according to Axios. Uh, Menendez, who alongside of his wife, Nadine Menendez, has refused to resign. He was indicted uh, and he's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. according to him. Not going anywhere. Uh, prosecutors are accusing Menendez and his wife of accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes in cash, gold, lavish gifts, and other expenses in exchange for using his power to benefit a trio of New Jersey businessmen, Axios's Andrew Solander uh, reports. This might be just a cultural thing because that's like business in New Jersey. You know, you go have a, you have a plate of spaghetti, you hand over some gold bars. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I would love to get Chris Christie's take on that. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, when the, when they had this whole story and like they had the photos of like gold bars, and apparently he kept in his like suit jacket pockets. Uh, uh, in his closet, envelopes with his name on it, full of cash. He's like, yeah. I'll get to that later. <laughs> There's another one on the way. Dude, it's also the funniest thing I saw from the indictment is that he got the kilo of gold and immediately Googled, how much is a kilo of gold worth? <laughs> well, and then they, and then they, I think they did DNA testing uh-huh. and found that the people who were accused of giving him the bribes, DNA is on the stuff. Literally there. So like there's literally, they yeah. locked the door behind Re- him. Real chain of, of custody right oh there. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. And if you recall, for those of you who don't uh, follow this closely, Menendez was also indicted in 2015. And he was indicted on accepting luxury vacations and gifts over $600,000. Um, he eventually beat the rap. Yeah, this feels a little different. And that was the Solomon Melgin thing, which yeah. it, remember there were allegations about like uh, Dominican 
travel and potential with prostitution underage women. and, and yeah. all of that stuff, which was salacious as hell at the time. Didn't get a hell of a lot of coverage, to be honest with you, but he ultimately beat the rap on that. And, and, and if I have to say, this was, to me, the best part is that, I guess, it was in January of 2018, those specific charges got dropped, and like a month or two later, he spins up this situation <laughs> with the bribery, so he was just like, all right, we had a break. Let's spin yeah. the business right back up. <laughs> the ultimate come at me, bro. Yeah, yeah. it's like, I mean, we're right back. How, how, Tom, we're back up. How, <laughs> how is it, like, this is the chair, or he was until last week, he was the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. Yeah. And this dude is taking gold bars. I'll tell you what it is. I'll I mean, he's you. an expert in foreign relations, if you, if you agree <laughs> Listen, with the I'll first tell you, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. There's so much craziness in the world. Governments are trying to print their way out of money. <laughs> and Bob Menendez is putting his faith in gold. Yeah, exactly. It's like a Rosalind Capital ad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a Rosalind Capital ad. No, it's just incredible. And, and like, the- I just, I got to say, I love the New Jersey mindset. They can trace the cash, but not gold bars. <laughs> Send a couple kilos over. It's it's going to be cool. He's a married man. And there's video of that, too, of his proposal somewhere in like... The Taj Mahal. Yeah, the Taj Mahal. Of yeah. course. The Taj Mahal. Of course. And this is a well-traveled and so, individual. And so his wife is also named in in, in this name? Yeah. Oh, my. And, and his son is, is, a, is a member of the house. Is that right? Yeah, his son's a member of the house and has said, I stand with dad. Boy, he's staying. You got a good business. You got to stick with the family business. <laughs> he's, staying, he's staying real low right now, right? I no, mean, he, put, he put a statement out. He's like, I stand with him. This is New Jersey. It's another day in New Jersey. I mean, I would actually love to hear from somebody like a Christie about the politics of New Jersey because recall, like, he was indicted. He did beat the rap. But also, like all of this has been coming out now for ten years. He's been a plus. punchline. It was like a. It's beyond like an open secret. Everyone's like, oh, corrupt old Menendez." You know what I mean? And like for the longest time, he skated past it. Yeah. Well, there was, a, there was some question. I was on some email chains over the weekend, and uh, there were some people asking questions about like, well, doesn't he have to resign his chairmanship? And like the person who was like a part of leadership was like. Oh, buddy, we've been through this a couple of times with this guy. There's a formula, and it'll come out. Like, this is just what happens. It's like excellent. There, there's now, like, muscle memory about how you deal with Robert Menendez in his all of his various corruption charges. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, I, Ashbrook, imagine being a, like, this is life as a Democrat. Like, it's, it's you can fun, have it's the, it's 50 cent watches in your closet and gold bars, and you've been previously indicted, and, and like, Everyone's like, his name has been synonymous with corruption. Dude, do you? Did and the, you hear media, the media's like, don't pay attention to it because yeah. he voted with us on climate change. Did you hear his excuse where he said, the history of expropriation of of property from Cuba of my family is like, you know, this is just personal money that I carry around. Gold bars. Like in 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 case Joe Biden and the Feds are going to roll in and take all of your property, like communist Cuba, I guess. He's well, like, I should check the backyard because I feel like the history suggests that you bury it. I yeah. mean, what a wild take for him to try to roll with that. He's like, yeah. the ghost of Castro could try it again. <laughs> he could. He could. Here in New Jersey. Yeah. I, <laughs> what is so amazing to me, and I saw this statement yesterday, is, you know, they're all various Democratic, like some of them are like, oh, he needs to step down and like his presumption of innocence and all that. And there are other Democrats who are very concerned about how this is juxtaposed with the Trump indictments and like it doesn't muddy the water and everything. And those people are coming out and saying like he should resign. 
of course, under the safety and security of a Democratic governor who would point somebody worse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like a right. real monster. Right. Yeah. So right. so they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. We'll just get like a full-blown communist. Yeah. Right. Uh, but Fetterman put out a statement that was calling on him to resign. Mm. And I imagine for a guy like Menendez, who prides himself on having diamond-encrusted watches and you know, trips to the Dominican and private flights and like gold bars hanging around the place to get a dude in a gym outfit. It's like, Hey, you got to beat it from my Senate. <laughs> that's gotta be the worst. That's that, that is an insult. That's an insult. That's the one that hits the hardest. I want to see like eventually, uh, you know, if I were advising Menendez, I tell him <laughs> to write a book, like the dude who wrote the, the snitch and Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Like as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a gangster. Oh, it's, it's like, like the, the Ray the Liotta Men- character. Totally. Yeah. Like Menendez, tell your side of the story. Is and that then Sammy you can... the Bull? I think it's Sammy the Bull. No, 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 which that, is, that, which... that, was, that was the Gotti family. This is a separate one. This is, uh, I can't remember the name of the snitch off the top of my head. Th- that was part of the, like, I think it was a Lufthansa I, I know. Oh yes. No, I know. I know who this is. Uh, Hank, uh, Hank Hill. That's the one. Oh, that's, that's it. The one. Henry Hill. Henry Hill. Henry yeah. Hill. Henry Hill. I'd love to see like the Bob, the Bob Menda story. I bet is wilder than anything anyone can imagine. And I think that's part oh, of yeah, it. The, in the beginning, it's like, it, it, it goes. Um, it goes. I always want to be a gangster, and then it goes. It goes right into the big band music. Totally. <laughs> and it's like a rags to riches. And, and you know, like, and you know when and you just see it open. And you know when Menendez would go into like a, a Jersey restaurant to have his spaghetti, he like walks through the kitchen and yeah. bring a table yeah. out for him the same way. And then just like Holmes says, like the biggest insult is like, we used to have corruption with some class. And now <laughs> now we've got these clowns with hoodies trying to tell me how to do my job. <laughs> We really should, you know, we should try to get Sammy the Bull on to explain how how this works. This guy, I mean, he's he, money laundering. He's like, well, here's how I did it with. Like, I mean, Menendez. Sammy the Bull was was slang an ecstasy at ASU when I was down there. He's, so, what he is? Oh yeah, he is. A, he, yeah, he I was mean, in witness protection program for the Gotti trial, and they he moved to to basically just outside of Scottsdale uh, when I was at ASU, and it became. Somewhere in that era, they found out about this ecstasy Incredible. Ring. And like he got re-indicted a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know where he is now. Well, he's done a round of interviews the last few years. Oh, is he he's, still he's around? Been, he's yeah, not he's been, in the break? No, he's been doing interviews. Well, I suppose he's he can't be in the break because he'd, get, he'd, right. get, uh, he'd meet his maker. So if we can get him to do an interview and get his take on Bob Menendez and how all this works, I think it would be just... And, uh, also, <laughs> to, uh, uh, an important point in all this is that Schumer hasn't said anything. Schumer. Has well, they t- stripped the committee thing, which yeah. is which is to the point of the p- person I was talking. It's like, oh, if you, if you sell the country out, because like I think Egypt was involved. Like this is foreign governments yeah. that were also involved in like paying this guy off. So it's just like, oh well, your committees are gone. That's the Schumer play of like accountability. Like the the DNA is on the cash. You know, it's like, what do you need? You need you got the marinara. <laughs> right. You got the DNA. How many, like, <laughs> it's very clear what's been happening here. What does this have to do with Italian food? I mean, it's New Jersey. <laughs> it's the breadsticks. He's got the breadsticks. He's got the fettuccine sauce. The poor Italian. <laughs> Bob Menendez does some corruption and we're attacking the Italian. I know. It's like, oh. The bigotry will never end on this podcast. No. I just want to apologize to the Italian-American community. I do, too. And frankly, you can have smug as a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, look, I think an important thing to get into here just for a moment is the fact that uh, yours truly have been featured in some advertisements 
lately. Mm. Have you noticed this? Yes, I saw, I saw that. Political advertisements. Yeah. Uh, it turns out. And, and in a positive light, because... Well, everything's a positive light because it's all, uh, it's us. Well, well, previously, I remember there were ads run by the Lincoln Project attacking you. Oh, attacking you. Well, yeah, but that wasn't about the Ruth's Variety program. It was just me sort of like just... just they're like existence. Why is he conservative? Why is, <laughs> Lock him up. Why is this guy so cool? Yeah, that's basically what it was. I I would have paid to have those things air widely. It was your yeah. best hair day ever. Like, yeah. no, I look great. I look great. And it, the whole the premise between between the Lincoln Project ads were like that I had somehow duped Donald Trump, which I thought was completely hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine he thought it was completely hilarious because I didn't actually get uh, put on blast by. Trump on any of those things, which, you know, most people would he actually feels like are doing that kind of thing. He doesn't hesitate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, certainly Mark Milley didn't miss a, a mark over the weekend. <laughs> Jeez. Like, yeah, right. He called for him to be executed. Yeah. And it's like, Trump, not Trump, you hired him. Not our best stuff. <laughs> not our best stuff. Not our best stuff. To your point earlier. Um, yeah, no, it's not about grocery prices. Right. Right, right. Mm. But we're now in an ad uh, featured by the DeSantis campaign of notable conservatives that were highlighting the obvious about what was happening with his abortion position. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is in in the in the context of our conversation, which I don't I don't believe it was taken out of context at all. I should say, like it was absolutely in context. Like they put, they did right by us yeah, in terms of. This is not like any base switch or anything. About yeah, it. yeah. But in, in the larger context of what we're talking about, I don't know if it's particularly critical or positive. I, it was just an analysis of what was happening here. Yeah. And uh, there's a few others. I think it was like Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, and others who had made a, the observation of the obvious that, uh, well, he decided to take sort of the middle road on, a, on abortion in the context of a primary, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Well, that's the part they didn't use. They didn't They didn't talk about how Trump was sort of tacking toward a general audience, which is what he needs to do if he wants to be competitive against Joe Biden next fall. And th their challenge is to sort of make up a lot of ground against Trump. They're running out of issues to do it. They've tried it with the indictments. Didn't work. They've tried it with electability. Trump is competitive with Biden in all of these national polls. That's not working. They're trying it with abortion now. Maybe that will work. But we'll we'll see, I guess, in the next couple of weeks whether some of these ads they're running actually do. Trump is trying. I mean, you could you could it, you can just see it. He is trying to talk directly to a general audience, and does that hurt him with conservative voters? I don't know. But but it seems like the thing that you should be doing if you're over fifty in a primary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it's this. <laughs> issue is just so difficult to navigate right and the idea that you can just come in and be like i'm gonna ban all abortion right now forever and if a bill hits my desk i'm gonna do that you create a big general election liability and that's just that's not me saying that like from any particular ideological point of view that's me saying it from what we've witnessed across this country we had a Wisconsin Supreme Court race that was litigated entirely on this issue, and they got their asses kicked. Mm -hmm. We had an Ohio ballot question that happened across this country, and, and they got their asses kicked. Uh, Kansas had a, a ballot question on this same issue. Kansas. Kansas. Mm -hmm. Kansas had it on this issue, and we got our asses kicked. Clearly, the American people are saying, like, look, 
I don't know what the answer. I have my own ideological view one way or another. But the idea that we're doing like post-birth abortions or no abortion at all are both off the table. And what Trump was doing is kind of coming to the middle. I don't know if that's the right answer. Our point was in the context of a conservative primary electorate, it opens up an avenue. And that's what I think DeSantis was attempting to get at with that ad. Yeah, I mean, correct for the for the general election. And obviously, it would theoretically hurt him in a primary. Um, I don't but I don't really see it as moving to the center on the issue of abortion for Trump. You know, he ended Roe uh, by putting three justices on the Supreme Court, and he wants credit for that. And he says in his many truths on Truth Social that the pro-life movement had nothing until I had no status. I think status is the term he used until, you know, I ended Roe. So he still wants the credit for it. It is not true that you can claim to be a conservative in the United States of America and attack a conservative governor for passing a heartbeat bill. You just can't. And I think he's the, not conservative I, on the issue of abortion. But I think the passing of is the important <clears throat> distinction. And I don't think we've gotten enough to that. If you were opposed to Roe, then you remanded to states. Right. And it's not about what your position is. It's about what you pass into law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, because these people are all elected at the will of the people of that particular state, that is pretty sacrosanct in that discussion. That's mm -hmm. critical. That's. I, I mean, I think that's the whole thing right there. And I think that's the key takeaway from the whole Dobbs and and, and the whole thinking behind it, and I think very much, you know, the correct thinking behind, you know, the way the Supreme Court acted is this can be a decision for the states. And I think the, the heart of this debate right now among conservatives is, is the approach we take going to be federal or state where, I mean, I remember Lindsey Graham caught a bunch of heat because, you know, we as conservatives all circled the wagons and were like, yes, this is good. The question should be up to individual states to decide what, how many weeks, the particulars. The whole problem with Roe was they tried to federalize this, and that doesn't work. Uh, it was unconstitutional, clearly, as the court decided. And so Lindsey Graham immediately afterwards jumped out and was like, here's my federal plan. We've got a midterm election in about two weeks. Let's do this, right? He just jumped in there, and everyone saw like, okay, this is 100%. When we went into this argument saying that this is an issue for the states, right? Right. And we all agreed. We were completely on the same page on that. And then you have an instance of an individual state deciding, an individual state's governor signing that law. And then I think it is weird to be like, oh, but also, here's why a, a state making that decision is bad. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's in, what, in favor, that's in favor of federal weird. legislation. I've always thought that that was a disjointed argument. Like, I don't blame life groups at all right. for trying to continue to advance the cause of life. That's what they should do. That's 100%. why, that's literally, we would never have gotten to where we were with Roe itself nope, not without if them. not for them. So I understand why they're doing it. But it is sort of political malpractice for the moment that you've been arguing for 30 years yeah. and it should be left to the states to turn around and be like, and now here's the solution. Yeah, right. Especially given the reality that there aren't 60 votes for anything related yeah. to abortion in the Senate. Nothing's going to pass. Well, that, There's it, no federal it, rule that's going to pass. And that's so kind why of, pretend like that's possible? Back to my point of like, is it really? does it really end up... Donald Trump 
angered pro-life voters and probably angered them the most in the first contest that he's going to have in this election. Yeah. And I don't think he actually gets any supposed political benefit from then, you know, in that same interview talking about, I'm going to negotiate something at the federal level with these groups, perhaps. You see what I'm saying? No, I see it's what like, you're saying. Like he 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 is moderating well, in rhetoric, I, but like it's not going to change for a second what they would do against him in the. No, Emily's yeah, list is still going to do what they do. That's, right? No, no, that that's exactly right. But I think um, I think that separately from the fact that he's he's opening himself up to attack from the right and from some of these opponents who uh, who need oxygen, um, he he earned a thousand headlines about how Donald Trump is being attacked by conservatives on the issue of abortion. Mm -hmm. And what Trump needs is to be seen as legitimate by moderate center-right voters in these suburban counties, and he has precious few opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me like if you're on the hunt for opportunities like that, this issue is as good as any. Wow, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting take. Yeah. Uh, you guys want some animal news? Of course. Always. So this one's going to catch you a little by surprise. Um, this is according to Red State. Airline pays over $1,400 to couple tortured by farting dog during oh. flight. Oh, God. I know we're going to have some hot takes. Singapore Airlines has paid a New Zealand couple over $1,400 after their flight experience went from premium to pungent while they were traveling. The couple has been uh, had been flying the flatulent skies. I mean, they're working some serious New York yeah, Post stuff like, here. It's yeah. not bad. Flatulent skies uh, home from Paris when they found themselves in a position where a gas mask might have made all the difference. The flight started off normal, but soon the couple realized that they were sharing their premium seats with a gassy canine companion as a fellow passenger. The incident was recently reported by the New Zealand outlet, uh, and after the flight, the couple sought to be reimbursed for their flatulent ridden flight. The airline initially offered uh, uh, two $73 gift vouchers. I mean, classic. And their, and their sincere apologies. However, the couple believed the compensation was inadequate. Uh, way to clear the air. Yeah, can you buy a ga <laughs> gas mask so for $73? <laughs> you know? That prompted the airline to offer two vouchers worth $200. Still, it did not rectify the smelly situation and the press's opinion. And the back and forth between the couple and the airline lasted for months before they reached an agreement. The company offered them $1,410 to make up for the constant breaking of wind they had experienced <laughs> while trying to get back home. Uh, buddy. I mean, look, we've made a lot. Of, you've made a lot of children on an airplane. And, you know, the old iPad parent or whatever. We've all had a lot of arguments. What is the take about bringing your dog in the main cabin? It's This is a very similar kind of take. Is I think we have, and I, I think anyone who who's traveled on an airline has noticed that, like, the quote service dog at this point is not like okay this is someone blind and like this is the dog that helps them get on the flight and actually helps them it's like a, a, a like a, a mental health companion it's like 
okay, what's this poodle doing for you, buddy? Like, you know, like uh, this is not like we get these dogs for, for veterans who have come back and, and, and the dog is an active part of their lifestyle because, you know, they served their country and lost limbs and the dog can like open the fridge. Like we've seen these miraculous actual service dogs. I think this is exactly the problem is there have been, you know, there are pigs that have been cleared for flight as service dead serious come on pigs for service animals for people on these planes airline travel has become just like a travesty and and this I, is the where you yeah I, 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 this is the, the horrific thing is like singapore airlines is known to run a good shop like you know it's it is it's a premium airline they run they know what they're doing they treat you well well not and in this case clearly though. so like this is like a, a across the board issue of like number one i would not have settled for even fourteen hundred, like <laughs> the seventy three, like that won't even get you aboard. Like you know, that won't even get you into the lounge for Singapore right. Airlines. Like <laughs> that level of insult after you've had a dog farting you for an international. God knows how long that flight is from Paris to New Zealand. Well, it cl it clearly wasn't about the money because here from the article, the couple um, will be donating the money to an organization that matches vision vision impaired people with service dogs. Oh, so they because maybe, they're donating it, but maybe they've caught some heat. Oh, that's like the PR play. Maybe that's, that's the PR. PR play. They got a little too much attention yeah. on this, and they yeah. felt bad. Maybe, huh? If if possible. you don't have like a, a genuine like ADA certified issue to have a service dog, airlines don't let animals on the plane. We've got enough animals already flying. All right, <laughs> smug, smug. How does you 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 know every airline there is, and how does Singapore compare to some of the others? I mean, but like domestic, oh, yeah. like it's not oh, even no, close. Like, Probably like, top five. Let's though. say yeah. Spirit, for example. Oh God, like I mean, that's not even, like uh, Singapore crushes every domestic airline carrier in the United States. Not even close. We're like three standard deviations away. Not close. <laughs> like Singapore is like Duncan said, it's top five. You, yeah. you typically can't go wrong with them. But the fact that now even Singapore Airlines has these situations where there's these service dogs just like farting on passengers nonstop. <laughs> like, are you serious? Shouldn't this there is, be this some is what's kind become of, a, of travel? Look, I understand that flight travel is expensive. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. But shouldn't there be some sort of separate travel? Like, I, I, I mean this like in the most, I've traveled with my dog before. It was a Nightmare. Wait, on an airplane? It was. It's been. An, it was a nightmare when I was an early couple with my wife. Yeah, we had a, a a Boston Terrier. It was like well within the height and weight requirements. Yeah, and, she and, was she's a great dog. And we were going to spend a you know some time over Thanksgiving from our with our with my parents, and so we brought the dog, uh, and like it was a nightmare, and all. Like the dog didn't bark or didn't do anything, but I was just like white knuckled the whole time about whether it would or like explode into farts or whatever. I mean, that dogs think you can't. Yeah. When when I have a shouldn't there be a service for this? Shouldn't there be some kind of a yeah? Like uh, my question is like when you when you travel with the dog and it's not in the cabin, like where does it, does it go in with the luggage? Is it no, down there? It goes underneath your seat. Like when no, I mean like when people put them in the dog carriers. Oh yeah, there is a there is, is it. A, it's in there with the uh, with the with the luggage. I don't think it's with the luggage. No, no, because they have to pressure pressurize it. Yeah, so it's I'd... like a compartment within the cargo hold that is designed for the animal, so that they don't like die. And there are people that move, so you got to take your pets. I understand that, but shouldn't there be some kind of a service that doesn't require you to bring them under your seat, like a ship sticks? 
Like a ship sticks. For pets. Ship sticks for pets. Yeah. That is exactly yeah. what yeah. I'm talking about. I yeah. think also I, uh, a, a large portion of this, and I think Ashbrook's going to agree with me when it comes to the whole like people versus animal thing, is like, it's an animal. Mm-hmm. It's an animal, man. You know, if, if you're moving. What are you just We, we had a good time. You just long needle him? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we, had our, we had our times, dog. Oh, man. You're a dog, right? I fed you the food. And you know your joy, but as a human, I'm making decisions, and I'm going away now. That's a and we'll remember the good <laughs> and we'll remember the good times. You know, and the vet will make it so you don't even know what's happening. Don't think, don't think about what we've lost. Yeah, but the time that we've had. Listen, you'd be sitting. <laughs> if, if, if not for me, you'd be sitting in a pound. You had some laughs. We had some good times. You got three squares a day. And now, you know, the vet makes it super easy. You know? Oh, my God. Come on. Every time the vet makes And then you go, you, once you've moved and you've settled, you get the new dog. Every time you go on vacation. Well, I guess it's another. I mean, you got to think through it all. Said goodbye. You gotta, yeah, I mean, you got to think it through, you know? Like, so many people get dogs that are in no position to get a dog. Right? Like, if I had a nickel every time, oh, someone's like, I'm a dog person. And you go hang out with them, and the dog's jumping on you the second you walk in the door. You're not a dog person. You're just lonely. And the answer is not you get an animal that you don't train to behave, you know? Like, that's a, uh, that's an overarching problem here yet again. No responsibility also, whatsoever. So if you're in your late 20s, and you're, like, with a significant other, and you just moved in together, and, like... You know how that conversation goes. A lot of us have had it, where you're like, "Well, we should get a dog." It's always initiated, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> by your your female partner. Like, well, we should get a dog. It's a it's a household now. You know, like it's a kid. Right. Oh, we should get a dog because they know who's going to take care of it. They, <laughs> bingo. If you're a man in this situation right now, fucking run. Like, do not do it. Under any circumstance, unless you're cool with like the 6 a.m. up and you're walking yep. the thing. Oh, it's raining outside. Well, the dog still has to go. You're picking up its shit around every corner. Yep. You're doing all this stuff. And then like for some reason, it's like, oh, we, we you know, we mm-hmm. love this stuff. And then you're like, hey, it would be really great if we could go to this awesome event. On a, and they're like, well, it doesn't like the dog kennel. Doesn't like it. We need to get a dog setter. Yeah, I, we I, need to get somebody to go. You know, it's like it, the logistics around a dog as a young couple do not underestimate. I, I have a friend. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mention names. It, it's Jesse Hunt. <laughs> 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 He's got like three poodles that his wife loves, right? And it's like all three so, dogs. They're, they're they're and they're the damn poodles, right? The, it, it, like they 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 run the show. Like uh, they're he's like, well, you know, I I can't meet up. I guess the dogs. <laughs> You know, it's the dog's night or whatever. We got to worry about the dogs. We went over. I can't make this shit up. We went over to watch the Super Bowl at his place, right? So we're like downstairs. Everyone's having a good time. We got food. We got pizza. We're watching the game. And the dogs felt left out of it. Do you know what these dogs did? What? They locked the door to get upstairs. We're like, are you shitting me, bro? Like the dogs locked the door. They jumped up and they locked the door. Like the damn raptors. Like you were stuck in the basement? I was like, bro, what is happening? (laughs) This is it. This is the moment you have to decide. Wait a minute. This has gotten out of control. Is that when you walk up with a long needle? Uh, th- that's a prime example. <laughs> and you and, and you do one of them in front of the others. Oh, man. <laughs> Someone forgot who runs the pack. You should remember now. 
Do you get two down and then look at the third? No, one. It's got you lay one down and you leave him there for a night. Everyone remember your friend. He made poor decisions. We're going to get so many angry emails, Smug. I think that's the point. But but as someone who did get a dog with my wife, and then we had kids, once you have kids, it gets so much harder. He's a great dog. We love Ranger. Yeah, a really good dog. Ranger's fantastic. But it is it gets very hard when you've got kids, and here's this dog, and he's got, I don't know, diarrhea. And it's like, how are you supposed to plan your day around... When he's, you know, when he's got like a slow shudder on his anus. You got a, uh, you got enough to worry about. And yeah, when you're trying to keep two human beings alive, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I feel bad for the dog, but it's like, bro, you are like steerage class now. That's where you, <laughs> that's where you came out with, get out of here, Chloe. Get out of here. That was my dog. Yeah. And as soon as I had two kids, the Duncan's made fun of us about how it went from the center of our life to yeah. like. I mean, that's exterior. Yeah. Not not in as many Instagram posts anymore. No, <laughs> it's the whole it's the whole like fur baby thing. It's like all well, the real ones have arrived. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Y we had our laughs, and now you go. Yeah. yeah. No, that's the way it is. All right. So there's some fake bear attacks out there, guys. Really? Yeah. This is according to W O W K V. I mean, again, we're dealing with. McDaniel sourcing, so mm -hmm. uh, oh, this looks this looks like a local CBS affiliate. Okay, okay, all right. So it's a real in thing. West Virginia. All right, okay. An Ohio man is being charged for falsely reporting an incident after claiming he'd been attacked by a bear, allegedly in order to help out, uh, help getting out of the woods in uh, Kanawha County. <laughs> According to a criminal complaint from Cattle County Magistrate Court, first responders <laughs> were called early in the morning, hours of Friday, September 22nd, 2023, to assist a man in the woods. Dispatcher said the man was cla claimed to be injured and was standing, uh, was stranded along a steep terrain. So this dude, he said, he called, I mean, is it necessary to go that extra step? I, I think this is a uh, like a, a absolute king power move. He was, he, you know, maybe he woke up in the morning was feeling ambitious, and he was like, "I'm gonna today's the day, you know, I'm gonna go get a hike in." You know, <laughs> he, he's like a, a, a mile in, in, into the hike, and he's like, "This was a, a poor decision. I don't want to walk anymore. The it's man time to call nine one one and have people carry me <laughs> out of the woods." <laughs> I mean, I made a bad decision. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this walk. So the man allegedly claimed that he'd been walking for days. His phone was dying and the bears were circling him and he was going to die. <laughs> the man was later identified as Christian Leinert, uh, 47 of Breckenville, uh, Ohio, Brexville, Ohio. Uh, according to the complaint, deputies say they searched uh, and rescue groups responded oh my God. And to locate this guy uh, using emergency lights and sirens to scare away the bears <laughs> and then point the man towards their location. Authorities say they attempted to get the West Virginia State Police uh, and other agency helicopters in order to assist in, this, in, the, uh, in the search. So it, I guess his, his point is like, I'm lost. And I think I, it, it, he was just done with it. He's no. over the hike. Well, so I, like, I, I, was, I don't know. I was, about, I was about to take this guy's side because, you know, the liberal media tends to gloss over the plight of your typical guy in Ohio. However, oh my God. However, I what read to the end. I read to the end. And it says once they were at his location, he allegedly denied medical treatment. <laughs> Claiming he just wanted a ride out of the woods. See, such a power move. <laughs> it, it was, quote-unquote, 
extremely intoxicated. Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> Ohio man strikes again. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's the most expensive Uber you could ever call. Also, just don't go fucking hike in the woods. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, what are you doing there? This story actually upsets me, though, because, you know, as my colleague here, John Ashbrook, has noted, like, we are in war against the animal kingdom. Yeah, and he's right. false Fight, flagging it. I mean, fighting mm -hmm. a bear is sort of like apex predator yeah. uh, territory here. Sure. And, and this really is stolen valor. That's what this oh, is. It is. Ooh, good <laughs> point. This is the equivalent of saying, you know, I served with our brave men and women overseas in combat. <laughs> stolen valor. This is Dude, that's stolen a great valor. Point. It's, it is. It, I'm really offended by it. <laughs> Well, it's also the boy who cried wolf situation. Yeah. You know, we need our authorities. We need people. If you don't have a gun and you're being attacked by one of these menace animals, these deadly curs right. out there, you want somebody with guns coming in, shooting left, right, and south. You don't want somebody, a sheriff there at the station. You don't want him second guessing. Hey, it's a goof. This isn't right. a goof. This is right. a fake bear. We need, and then, we need him. We need well, everybody. Leonard clearly also knows the power of the program in an elevating the local authorities he heightened awareness they're expecting this for these kind of things and so he was playing off the good graces of john ashbrook and the variety program of letting people know that yeah. you need to respond quickly and with heavy yeah. they rolled up with the sirens and helicopters yeah yeah well he got it he got out of there he got out of there i'm ladies and gentlemen i'm confident by the way i'm confident that the boys in blue will be there when you need them if you call them and you say that you're being attacked by a bear i think I don't think they're going to not come for you just because of old Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to be there for you because we need to be there for each other in this war against animals. Well, you got to break a couple eggs to make an omelet, and that's mm -hmm. what we've done here in Ohio. So thank you for all of that. Fellas, I think we've done it again. I think so. Absolute banger of an episode. Gentlemen, thank you so much to the Minions. And again, for the folks who watch on YouTube, if you have not yet subscribed, do so. And again, we look forward to seeing the folks live in DC. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>